Has the world gone crazy? Life is difficult. When you need help, where do you turn? Welcome to Christian Impact, impacting your life with spiritual truth. I am Dr. Kelly Blanton, and I'm sharing practical truths in the Bible that can truly change your life. Today, September 29th, 2020, we continue our series, Chronicles of the Kingdom, Lesson 38, The Day of the Lord. What does the Day of the Lord mean? What is the day of the Lord? Does this refer to the day of the return of Jesus Christ? Does it refer to a season of the reign of Christ? Is it just a time of judgment? Precisely what does it mean when we say the day of the Lord? Well, today we're going to look at this topic, especially considering the times that we live in now. It is good to look at what is the day of the Lord. Now, when we examine this, we have to understand that this is end-time prophecy. And it's definitely end-time prophecy because it's talking about a day in our future that we have not yet seen. This is the day of the Lord. And there's many different thoughts in the Christian community, different theological perspectives on what this exactly means. And I am in no means trying to say that I know everything, but obviously I'm going to share what I think about the day of the Lord that I see from Scripture. And one of the things I want us to understand is that when you look at prophecy, I believe we need to see that all the pieces of the same end-time prophecy they need to just naturally fall in place. In other words, if you have to do a lot of explaining and twisting to try to explain your background, they're not falling naturally into place. You should be able to read and see the prophecy and then see how does this naturally fall in line with other prophecies. And that's what we're going to do in trying to understand the day of the Lord. And I'm going to look at, I don't know, 11, 12 characteristics of the day of the Lord. And there's many scriptures. And on these, I'm going to give scripture references. And I encourage you to read them. If I was to read them, I'm afraid that I may spend 30 or 40 minutes just reading these scriptural references. So these, I'm going to tell you where they're at and encourage you to look them up on your own time. And instead, I will summarize them. But what are some of the characteristics of the day of the Lord? Well, Isaiah 13, verses 6 through 13, says that the day of the Lord is called a day of wrath and judgment on the unrighteousness. 
It's a day of wrath and judgment that will fall upon the unrighteous. Amos 8, 3-5 says the day of the Lord is a dividing of the religious versus those who truly rely upon the Lord. Isaiah 30, 11, and Zephaniah chapter 1, verses 11 and 12 says that the day of the Lord is a day of judgment upon Israel. We also see in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 20, and chapter 14, verse 1, that in the day of the Lord, Israel will trust in the Holy One and be joined by foreigners as God's people. We see in Zephaniah chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, Amos chapter 5, verses 18 and 19, and Jeremiah 4, verse 10, that at the day of the Lord, God judges Israel. We see in Zephaniah chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, and then chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, that God purifies his people on the day of the Lord. In Zechariah chapter 2, verses 10 through 12, on the day of the Lord, it is a day of, when God comes to live among his people. Joel chapter 2 verses 1 and 2. The day of the Lord is a day of wrath like never before or ever again seen. Joel chapter 2 verses 11 through 13. The day of the Lord is the last call to return to the Lord. In Joel chapter 2 verse 32. The day of the Lord is a day of deliverance for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. And in Joel chapter 2 verses 10, also in chapter 3 verses 14 and 15, and Amos chapter 8 verses 9, they say that there is a sign of the day of the Lord. And the sign is that the sun and the stars darken, the moon darkens and turns to blood. Again, these are some characteristics of things that are said about the day of the Lord. It's a day of wrath and judgment on unrighteousness. God will divide the religious with those who truly rely on him. It's a day of judgment of Israel. Israel will trust in God and be joined with foreigners to become God's people. God will judge Israel. God will purify his people. It's a day when he comes to live among his people. It's a day of wrath like it's never been seen before. It's a last call to return to the Lord, a day of deliverance for anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. And the sign of this day is the sun, stars darken, the moon darkens and turns to blood. Some qualities of the day of the Lord. Again, I encourage you to look up those verses. But we're going to spend some time. We're going to look about the day of the Lord. And let's look in the New Testament. Nearly all those verses were from the Old Testament. What does the Old Testament say about the day of the Lord? But we're going to actually look at and read and investigate some of the New Testament about the day of the Lord. And we're going to start in Matthew chapter 24, verses 29 through 31. 
It says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give us light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. So this is how Matthew records Jesus teaching about the day of the Lord. Let's also look at Mark chapter 13, verses 24 through 27. Mark records Jesus teaching, saying, But in those days after the, that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give us light. The stars of heaven will fall and the powers and the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather together his elect from the four winds, from the farthest part of the earth to the farthest part of heaven. Again in Luke chapter 21, verses 25 to 28. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken then they will see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory now when these things begin to happen look up and lift your heads because your redemption draws near one more in acts chapter 2 verses 20 and 21 the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. When we look at those New Testament passages in comparison to many of these characteristics in the Old Testament, there are three themes we begin to see that come from the New Testament about the day of the Lord. One is the sun, moon, and stars will darken the moon will become his blood there is signs with the sun moon and stars two jesus is coming in power and great glory they talk about him coming in the clouds and the third thing is that we see that salvation and deliverance occur that he will god will gather his elect redemption draws near everyone who calls upon his name shall be saved. It's interesting. There are so many scriptures that we just briefly covered, and these are not all the scriptures of the day of the Lord. Please understand that. But you go back and you look at all those scriptures that I would really want to go back and read to you. But again, for time's sake, I cannot. I ask you to get those references, download this, get those references, look them up and read them. But how many of those Old Testament prophecies about the day of the Lord just match the New Testament teaching of Jesus on the day of the Lord? And we see those, those themes that begin to line up. Now let's look at Revelation chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 12 through 17. It says, I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake. 
And the sun became black as sackcloth of air, and the moon became like blood, and the stars of the heaven fell to the earth, as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth and the great men, the rich, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come. Who is able to stand? Here in Revelation, there's this description of this day when a, when a seal, the sixth seal, is opened. When the sixth seal is being opened. And it describes this day when the seal is opened. And notice that we have the moon becoming like blood. The sun becoming black. There's a darkening of the day. The stars fall from heaven. This is not... The same description that Jesus gave that said after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give us light, the moon will turn to blood, the stars will fall from heaven, the powers of the heavens will be shaken. The same thing that was prophesied in the Old Testament, we see these line up. We need to understand what is the description of the day of the Lord. And when we see this in Revelation, we need to understand that well, right here in Revelation chapter 6, with the sixth seal, the day of the Lord is happening. It is happening. Let's continue. Revelation chapter 7. We're going to look at verses 3 and 4. It says here, it says, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. Now look at verses 9 and 10. After these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one can number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hands crying out with a loud voice saying salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. And just a few verses down, starting verse 13, 14 says, then one of the elders answered saying to me, who are these arrayed in white robes and where do they come from? And I said to him, sir, you know, and he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed the robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Now, why did I go here? We don't hear some of these things about the day of the Lord. But again, we've been reading in Revelation chapter 6 when the seal is broken. And it's a time when the sun is darkened. The moon becomes like blood. That the heavens and the earth is shaken. People are, are wanting to hide. If you look at verse 16, they, they're wanting someone to say them. They don't want to see the one who sits on the throne, and they're afraid of the wrath of the Lamb. Again, the description in the Old Testament talks about the day of the Lord being a day of judgment and wrath for the unrighteous. 
It's a day of wrath that the world has never seen before. It's also a day of deliverance. But on this point, when we're seeing the seal is broken, the sixth seal, and and these things are happening in the heavens, the, the, the sun and the moon and the stars, and all of a sudden, these kings of the earth, these powers, these men, rich men, commanders, is this idea that there is a society of people with power and stuff, and suddenly they fear this day because why? Why do they fear? Because it's the day of judgment. It's a day of wrath that is coming upon them, and they don't want to face God. People, there is a time that is coming someday that the people that mock Christians, they mock God, they think they know everything. There is a day coming when the day of the Lord occurs and judgment and wrath falls on those that are not right with God. The Christian message that God loves you is the offer that you do not have to face this day. That Jesus Christ has offered you a way out of this day. If you will just trust, if you will call upon the name of Jesus, the name of the Lord, the name above every name, if you will call upon him and trust him, what are you trusting him for? You're trusting that he has saved you from your sin. He saved you from your unrighteousness. He's offering you a pardon, redemption, a new life. But many will not take this offer up and they will be standing before the Lord on this day when wrath and judgment is poured out on the unrighteous. And it even says in verse 17, who is able to stand? Who is able to stand? The story doesn't stop and shift gears going from chapter 6 to 7. It's continuing. And suddenly, in the midst of this judgment, you see this sealing. It says, I heard a number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of the tribes of the children of Israel. The description in the Old Testament talks about what? That God will purify his people, that he will have a day of judgment on Israel, and that Israel will trust the Holy One and be joined by foreigners as God's people. There are many that, when they study the, the end-time prophecies, that there are some that believe that all the Jews, if, if they're not Christians, that the promises and the covenants that God made them ended with Jesus and that nothing more applies to them. And, and you know, that's just, you know, anything at first Israel is now the church. And the problem with that is that that would mean that the promises of God would be null and void. Um, God's promises are eternal. His promises stand for e eternity. Even Jesus said he, he, he longed to gather up Israel and save them. Um, Paul talks about in Romans that we are under a period of grace, and when the period of grace ends, that Israel will be saved. There are some in Israel that, although they're not trusting in Jesus now, there will be a time when they will be saved. They will understand. Obviously, this is happening on the day of the Lord, and not all of them. You have to understand, we're not talking about all of Israel. We're talking about a limited number upon this day will be saved. This is the 144,000. This isn't the total number of people on earth that make it to heaven. That's not what this is. This is, this is the Jewish people on this day 
that will suddenly be joined with foreigners. Who are foreigners? Well, those are the Gentiles. The Gentiles, the, the millions or billions of Gentiles that have suddenly trusted in Jesus and are now part of God's family. They're part of God's people. They will join Israel. We also have to understand that there have been many Jews since the days of Jesus that have believed. Paul was a Jew. Peter was a Jew. The original disciples were Jews. You know, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was a Jew. She believed. There were, there were many Jews. There were many Pharisees. As a matter of fact, you don't see many Pharisees mentioned in the book of Acts. I mean, a few. Most of the time, it seems to be Sadducees, but you see less and less as it goes on. Why? Because the Pharisees believed in the supernatural and they believed in the resurrection. And so when Jesus rose from the dead and showed himself, not all of them, but many of them believed. They believed and they came. The Sadducees never did. And there were some Pharisees who clung to their religion and did not. But many, many believed. And, of course, persecution broke out, and they, they were spread. There's And there's even today, there's Jewish believers. They are in the kingdom already, joined with foreigners. But on this point, on this day of the Lord, there will be this time when there will be, to fulfill God's promise, a small group of Jewish in Israel that will be sealed and redeemed. And it continues on after this ceiling when John looked and he saw before the throne a number, a great multitude, one that could not be counted. People from all tribes and tongues standing before the throne wearing white robes. And he's told that these are the ones that came out of the tribulation. These are the ones that came out of the world. These are the Christians that stand before him, these Gentiles, these foreigners. And they stand before the Lord. And they're they're singing praises to the to the Lord. It's important to understand and note this that this happens, because now we get into a few more passages here. Second Thessalonians, chapter two, verses one through three it says, "Now, brethren, concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind of trouble, either by spirit." or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ has come, let no one deceive you by any means. For that day, what day? The day of the Lord. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed the son of perdition. So we see that the day of the Lord, that day, the day of the Lord, is also the time of our gathering to Jesus, um, it cannot come until there's a falling away. And a falling away means that these are people that believed and no longer believe. There will be a time when a great number of believers will quit being believers. You see now people, they're going on the internet and they're, they're calling it deconstruction. I'm deconstructing my faith. And they were once Christians and now they're not. They've been swayed by arguments of new age, of evolution, of some other religion, of just of just nothing, of, of self, of flesh, whatever their reasoning is, they leave the faith, they fall away. That there's going to be a great falling away before the day of the Lord. And also notice it says that the man of sin, the son of perdition, 
is revealed before the day of the Lord. There is a falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed. This happens before the day of the Lord. And our gathering to Jesus. Now in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18, it says, Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we will always be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words. Now, we see here, and it says, those of us who are alive and remain on this day will be caught up together with them in the clouds. This caught up in Latin is where we get the word rapture. I get so frustrated when I hear people, Christians, who are moving into the denial range, but they're not there yet. They're, they're just moving into different theologies that are a little bit more liberally central, centered, excuse me, liberally centered. I'm having trouble talking all of a sudden. And they, they go, well, the rapture's never mentioned in the Bible. And they get really, like, snooty about it. And it's like, well, the word rapture is Latin. It comes from the Latin Bible, which before the English Bibles was all we ever had. It's all the Catholic Church printed. And Latin is, by the way, the official language of Rome for Romans. It was the language of Rome. And that's why the scriptures were written in Latin when the Roman emperor converted over. He, they commanded the scriptures be written in Latin, in the Roman language. And I'm not saying that that was completely right. At the time, anytime you're writing in the language of the people, that's a good thing. But it can also become bad because over time, people in their Latin languages, uh, those Latin languages devolved into Italian and French and Spanish and in other languages. And so, and, and the, the church moved into a dark period and they used it as a point of control. But anyway, that word caught up is rapture. And so the rapture is in scripture. It means caught up. It is when we will be caught up with Jesus in the clouds. That is the rapture. But if you notice this, these verses continue on in chapter five, verses one and two. And what I mean by that is that this is one continuous thought. You know, the chapters 4 and 5 and verse numbers were not part of the original scriptures. Those were added later for us to study and find things easier. They're like address markings. Uh, the scriptures was the home, but we added the address so we could find homes. Okay? And so, when you get to verse 18, you really need to continue to get a bigger understanding. So it says, therefore, comfort one another with these words in chapter 5. But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. So right here in this Thessalonians passage, it says, Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds. It will just come for that. and then, But don't concern yourself with these times and seasons. When is this going to happen? When do we get caught up? You know, we want to know when we get raptured and we're told not to get caught up with this. And it says, because you know perfectly well that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. So the day of the Lord is the being caught up with the Lord. 
So we have to understand that the day of the Lord and the rapture are the same event. They are the same event. So the day of the rapture happens, you know, or the timing in the day of the seasons is also the day that the unrighteous are judged, that they cry out in fear, that there's a ceiling of Israel. It makes sense now you understand why there's a ceiling and a number of these Jews that would be sealed because if they were believers, they would already be caught up with the Lord and meet him in the air. You also understand why the whole world wants to hide from this day. Um, Cause the, the time of their ability to get away with things is now over. The Lord has gathered up his people and judgment has come upon the world. And, it is at this point that I can say, man, I would love to get into the full end time prophecy. And man, how does this all fit in? Where does this go? How does this fit with the tribulation? How does this field fit in? I mean, we just talked about a thief in the night. You could just very easily pull up a concordance or a computer program and type in thief of the night. There are scriptures that come out when Jesus taught about that day and the, a thief comes in the night. And there's so much more you could talk about. But I wanted today to describe the day of the Lord, talk about the day of the Lord, and get to the conclusion that the day of the Lord is the day that he gathers his people to himself, that we, the church, will be caught up with him. Um, This is not a teaching to talk about, you know, when and all the theologies. It's just to, to understand that what the day of the Lord is and descriptions And that we are to comfort one another with these words that there is a day when God has that he will bring us to himself. He's coming back for you and I as believers that we will be gathered to him. That there is a day he's going to take care of the evil on the planet. That he will judge them for their sin and their wickedness. There will be wrath upon them but deliverance for those who call upon the name of the Lord. We encourage each other with this, and with this we also want to encourage others that they need to trust Jesus, that today is the day of salvation. We don't know when this day will happen. Could it be tomorrow? Could it be a thousand years from today? We don't know. And because we don't know, we need to treat our time as as, as special. For every day we wake up, it's a gift from God, one that we should use wisely and treasure. So let's pray. Father, I thank you that you love us. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you've put us in this age of grace, that this time that we can seek you, we can call upon your name, that we can be used by you to impact others, God, that we can see people delivered and healed and freed and to walk into your kingdom. But God, we want to also acknowledge that there is the day of the Lord, the day that you will come back for your people, that we will be gathered in the air with you and that you will judge this world that your kingdom will suddenly exert a force upon the kingdom of darkness and anyone found in it lord father i pray that those listening would be comforted by these words that they would be encouraged and bold emboldened to share their faith that god that those who don't know would come to know you lord father i pray for those that they won't be part of the great falling away god that they will be encouraged and strengthened in their faith, God, that they will grab a hold of you and walk with you even more closely as these days grow darker and evil. Father, I thank you. 
for what you're doing in our lives and for your love. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. You've been listening to Chronicles of the Kingdom series. This one, again, was Lesson 38, The Day of the Lord. I encourage you to go back and catch up on any you might have missed. Each one builds week upon week. You can find those at our website, christianimpact.net. And until next time, God bless.